The Lord is with us. He's leading us and guiding us and He's directing us. Isn't that right? He's speaking to the body of Christ. If we will turn aside and listen to Him, as He said last night, if we'll turn aside, as Moses did with the burning bush on the backside of the desert, He turned aside to see the great sight, to pay attention to God. And when He did, God gave Him directions that would bring deliverance and victory to a group of people that had been in bondage for 430 years. There's been a lot of bondage on this planet right now. But this move of God that we're moving into is going to bring a liberty and freedom. And literally millions upon millions, perhaps billions of people are going to come to know the Lord through this glorious end time move of God that you and I have the privilege and honor of being involved in. We're going to be right in the middle of this last day end time move of God. And nothing is going to keep us out of it in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We thank you for the great and mighty Holy Ghost. We thank you for the angels of God. And we thank you, Lord, for their assistance and help tonight. Oh, Lord, we thank you as we look at your word reverently and humbly that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that you'll take us down the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Oh, Lord, we desire to see your glory. Lord, show us your glory. Like Moses required of you, show me your glory. And Father, we ask you in this day to show us your glory. And Lord, I invoke and I speak a very special blessing over every individual under the sound of my voice. And I pray that the words that come from my tongue will be as a piercing flaming arrow, Lord, that will penetrate the very human spirit that will bring change in their life. Father, we know that things don't change from the outside in, but from the inside out. And Father, I thank you for working in our lives today, in every individual. And Father, we give you the glory and honor and praise for this in advance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. God is with us. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. God is moving supernaturally. Just going to read some scriptures here that we read last night and, uh, and then say some things that the Spirit of God, while I was praying today, the Spirit of God began to show me some things. And I said, Lord, what you want me to say? Lord, what you want me to do? Lord, which direction you want me to go in? And so he showed me exactly and told me exactly what to do. And then I said, Lord, if I do that, I said, it seems like to me, I said, you know best. You know, Father always knows best. Father knows best. I said, you know best. I said, but it seems like to me, I said, baby, for if you'll call me your father and seek my face, I will take you down a path, winding it may seem, but you will take your place. Because there's a race to run that I've called my people to run in, in this day. And I will equip you along this way. 
For the supernatural power of God has been made available to my people. It's time to reach out without doubt and praise God and say, Lord, we believe it to bring us out. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He's bringing us out. And we're not backing up. He's speaking to us. If we'll listen to him, he'll speak to us. Thank God. He's speaking to us. Has he been speaking to you? He's been speaking to me. He's given me specific instructions and I've been following those instructions. I, I'm not arrived yet, but I'm following instructions. I'm following orders from headquarters. <laughs> because I turned aside to hear him. Thank God for it. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe it's where we turn to. We read this last night. We're not going to read all the verses we, we, we read last night. We're going to read a few of them. Verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. If you've got the spirit of the world around you, about you, and you have an inclination toward worldly things, you'll never pick up what God is saying. Because he said here, in this word, we have received not the spirit of the world. There's a spirit in the world that takes you away from God. It takes you into natural things. It takes you into fleshly things. It takes you into demonic things. It takes you into a place away from God. But there is a spirit of God that's inside of you. If you've been born again, that will draw you into the things of God that you might freely know the things that God has prepared for us but you'll never find them in the natural world. You'll never find them in natural reason and human understanding. You'll only find them in the spirit. Amen. And that's what this verse is referring to. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, but we will never know them unless we take time to spend time with God and get in the spirit, then he can reveal to us spiritual things because they're not natural. It goes beyond the human understanding. It goes beyond our thinking. It goes beyond our mind. It goes beyond sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, even what we want to do. But God knows it's the best path for me and for you. But you'll never find them out in the natural and that's why the church as a whole, and again, we're not to put anybody down. That's not my goal. But the church as a whole has been staggering in darkness because the church has been filled with the world. In fact, today, moves of God are simply called, in, in God's theology, cultural trends of society brought into the church are now being called major moves of God. Dad Hagen is not here, so I'll stand in by proxy for him. He said, that's a bunch of bunk, junk, and hogwash. Cultural trends of society have nothing to do and no place in the body of Christ, no place in the church, no place in my life, and I'm not trying to see how close I can get to the world and still make it to heaven. I'm seeing how far I can get away from the world to guarantee that I'm going to heaven. 
I'm not going to yield to no devil and I'm not going to yield to no flesh and I'm not going to yield to no worldly things that's going to take me away from God. Because the Spirit of God is the only way I'm going to know the things that's freely given to me of God. In fact, many of the blessings that God has for the church world today have been blocked because the church is so worldly. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It is. I mean, if you look at the world and look at the church, sometimes, and I'm not talking about every church, every Christian, everything, I'm just talking about the body of Christ as a whole, you understand? But if you look, the same problems that are in the world are in the church. Yes, they are. You're the one that prayed this. He prayed it. It is. You got to look at the financial problems in the world. We got them in the church. And I know that everybody can have challenges. Don't get me wrong. Sickness and disease, it pervades and prevails throughout the world system. And, and it's taking the heathens out. I mean, just major disease. We got it in the church. You know what I mean? And I'm not against anybody. You know, I've been attacked too, you know. But I'm just talking about as a general rule, a lot of these things that we should be receiving from God freely have been hindered because we're too much like the world. Sometimes you have to stop, drop, and pray. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have to stop, drop, and pray. That's how you're going to know what belongs to you. If something's not working in your life, change what you're doing. Don't keep doing it. That's what I realized in my life. I said, this hadn't been working. So I'm going to make some adjustments. Now, what adjustments did I make? Well, I went to God in prayer. I turned aside, you know. And I said, God, what do I do? And he began to give me instructions. He began to show me, this is what you need to do. Give me a chapter and verse to agree with it, you know, and go along with it. But if you want to know the things that are freely given to you of God, and there's things that's been held up in your life, I would go back and examine myself. In fact, we need to examine ourselves. And thank you for that enthusiasm. He said that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God by His Spirit, not from the world, but by His Spirit. Cultural trends of society are not moves of God. And what I mean by that is this, because the church as a whole, a general rule, hasn't taken time like they should to turn aside and hear God, they don't know which way to go. So they look around to see what everybody else is doing and what's working in, their, in the natural world and what people are, you know, wanting in the natural world. And then they implement those strategies in the church. And it has nothing to do with God. There are cultural trends of society, of man, programs of man, and they stink in the nostrils of God. Amen. This is Christmas. I'm telling you. <laughs> this is Christmas too. <laughs> and the reason that the Lord is speaking to us, speaking to me, speaking to us, and speaking to the church is because He loves us. If He didn't love us, He wouldn't correct us. He wouldn't care. He didn't let you die. Go on out there and get your head cut off if you want to. But he says, whoa, stop, wait a minute. He wants us to listen to him. 
I think Pastor Craig told me, and I don't want to tell off on him, but I'm in the same shape or worse than he is. He said, God must really love him a lot because he's been getting a lot of correction. <laughs> Has God loved you a lot? I mean, I, I mean, he loved me a lot too. The Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens and corrects. Isn't that right? So a lot of people, though, think chastening and correction is condemnation. It's not. It's actually God's love in action. And people, you know, actually declare that I'm, I'm preaching false doctrine because I preach these things because it's in the Bible. God does chasten us. God does correct us because he loves us. It's God's love and action. And while I'm at it, I might as well step on out there and say this. You know about that. And of course, you already believe the right things. And I think most people, if they're watching here, they would believe these things. But, you know, this doctrine of, of grace that says that all your sins have been forgiven the moment you're born again, one, one of the things they preach is that, uh, and I'm not attacking anybody, I'm coming against the doctrine, I'll attack that because it's not true. But the doctrines are, the, it's not a doctrine from the Bible. It's man's ideas and opinion. They say that the moment you're born again, all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Now there is a truth to that. Isn't that right? There's a truth there. Because Jesus died for our sins before we were born. Isn't that right? But as a general rule, in this sense, when you miss God and you get into sin today, you must repent of that sin. Yes. Repent of that sin means feel godly remorse sincerely from your heart and say, God, I'm sorry. And turn away from it and don't go back in it again. Said, what if I go back? Ask him to forgive you again. But the best thing to do is not go back. Yes, all of our sins, B.C., before we came into Christ. Yes, all those sins are washed away when we confess Christ. But if you get into sin after you're born again, then there is something called repentance. And it is biblical. And so don't listen to anything or anybody that would tell you otherwise. In fact, you need to run from it as in terror. Don't read the books. Don't listen to the videos because I'll tell you how it works. I'll tell you how it works. What God showed me about this, and I certainly don't know it all. The way false doctrine comes into the body of Christ as a general rule that's going to really affect the entire body is usually it comes through someone that's very popular. It does. Very popular and very well known and even respected. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean I disrespect anybody or anything like that. But it usually it comes on the wings of that popularity. And they've got a large voice because they're able to influence more people. And I'll tell you something else about that false doctrine. It always carries an element of truth with it. Always. In fact, you can listen to 
uh, uh, some of it or read some of it or watch it on TV or, or watch it on a DVD or on the computer. And, and, and it sounds, well, this sounds good. Sounds, but if you hang around long enough, you say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you know God, you'll say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was just talking to the Lord about this. Uh, last, what's, what's the day? Where are we at? What, what day is this? It's Christmas. That's where it is. It's Christmas. But last week, I was just spending time seeking God. I turned aside. And I'd ran into some of these things. In fact, it just come up and, and uh, I started reading behind this individual. And uh, I'll let Pastor Craig deal with the people. <laughs> I, I'll deal with the doctrine. But uh, I noticed that uh, this individual is very popular, you know, and it's kind of like a group there that kind of believes some things about you're already forgiven of sin. You don't repent of sin anymore. You just need to believe God and go on, you know. And, of course, there's an element of truth to that. Sure. But it's not the whole truth. No, the half-truth is error. Right. The half-truth, you understand, is error. Yes. Yes. So the, the number one way now that the devil wants to influence you is through, number one, through somebody else that's already influenced that's by a seducing spirit. Right. Yeah. Very good. That's how he's going to do it. And it's usually a person that's very popular. That's the number one way. So I was talking to the Lord about a particular individual, a well-known minister of the gospel, not putting him down, but I was just being honest with God. I said, now, Lord, I said, now, if this individual is right, and I said, now, Lord, I'm, I'm respectfully going before him. I said, now, Lord, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm giving him, I want him to tell me something, you know. So I don't want to set the precedence for God. I said, Lord, but, but, but if he's right, if this individual is right, and it's not only this one, but there's several, but if this one is right, then I'll tell you this, I'm wrong. And Lord, I don't want to be wrong. Lord, if I need to repent, and, I, and I've been missing it, because I'm human, I can miss it. All of us are human. If you ever get to the point that you think you cannot miss it, you just missed it. <laughs> That's what Dad Hagen used to teach us. You just, you just missed it, Reverend Taylor. I'll just tell you the truth about it. You old scallywag, I'm just telling you the truth about it. But that's the truth for all of us. So you can't get that mindset. If you get the mindset, even though that God leads us and guides us and directs us and we know the truth, you can't get what we call in the country the big head and get in pride. Oh, I know everything. Oh, that's a setting up for a disaster right there. You got to come with humility. So I came with humility before the Lord and I wasn't attacking this individual. I said, Lord, I said, you've got to tell me about this individual. I said, you got to tell me because it wasn't just the individual. It was a doctrine that came through, but it wasn't the person themselves. Right. I'm not attacking any person. And it wasn't just that one, but it's, it's a general doctrine. That a lot of them pick and I say a lot of them, quite a few big names have picked it up, you know. And I said, if they're right, then I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I want to get right. I do. I'm honest. I'm humbly before God. I said, I can't even hold, you know what I'm saying, I can't even hold a, camera, a candle for them to see by. That's good country talk for city folks. <laughs> I'm not near on the level they are. There's no way, Lord. 
and their ministries, you know, and international and, and where they're going. I said, but, but if they're right, then I'm wrong. And I, Lord, if I'm wrong, Lord, please reveal it to me. So I'll be glad to repent right now. And Lord, I'll be glad to go the way that you want me to go. I said, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, you just show me. Lord, tell me about this individual. I'm talking to the Lord. You understand. Not putting people down, but I'm asking his advice. You know, you can do the same thing. Amen. Not just me. You can. He wants to talk to you. Communicate with you. So I, I kept talking to him there a while, praying the Holy Ghost a while, and I'd present it to him again. You know, sometimes you just keep stay with it, you know. Yeah. You wait on the Lord. Yeah. You patiently wait on the Lord. Don't get in no hurry. Yeah. Don't leave before he shows up. Yeah. You might be gone. Yeah. And all of us have different stations in life, different callings in life. So I'm not trying to put my calling on you, but I had the time to wait for him. And if I didn't, it would have been disrespectful. I would have been disrespecting him. Do you know, people talk about faith and believe in God. It takes faith to wait on God. Yes, sir. Most people want to believe God for a miracle by faith, but they can't wait five minutes for him. <laughs> it ain't going to work, honey. If you can't wait in his presence until he shows up, you can forget the other part because it ain't going to work for you. If you don't have enough faith to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, like it says in Hebrews eleven six, then this others you're trying to believe in is not going to work either. So I just stayed with it, seeking his face. Stayed with it, seeking his face. And after a, a time there, I'm just walking around saying, Lord, I presented it to you. Lord, you just got to tell me about this individual. Pray in the Holy Ghost, worship the Lord. And then suddenly right into my spirit. I hadn't even thought about it. Hadn't even come into my mind. But this is what the Lord said. Jezebel. I said, what? He said, Jezebel. I, I don't know Jezebel. I know Patty. I know, I know Sandra. I know Karen and Trudy and Jill. And could call some of your names. I know them, but I don't know Jezebel. I never even thought about Jezebel. Have you? And the Lord said, I said, Lord, what do you mean Jezebel? He said, get the Bible and let me show you. He said, I addressed Jezebel over in Revelation chapter 3. He said, Jezebel was seducing my servants to sin. He said, that same spirit, that same spirit is what you're dealing with in this situation. That spirit will seduce people and get them into sin. Anybody that follows that out as far as it'll go, that false doctrine, they will always get in sin. Always. Some way, somehow, something will cause them to get in sin. 
And then, of course, I went back. He had me go back, and I looked in the Old Testament about the Jezebel there. There's a Jezebel name in the New Testament. And, of course, scholars have different ideas. Some think that Jesus was using the name Jezebel just as to, to show what happened in the Old Testament. And that same evil spirit that worked through the Jezebel of the Old Testament was working in the New Testament. I'm not saying there's an evil spirit called Jezebel, but it was the evil actions that happened through Jezebel. Now, before you ladies get mad at me, there was a lot of evil things that happened through men too. Ahab, King Ahab, married doggone Jezebel. <laughs> you think you got a problem, you ought to be married to Jezebel. My God. But the Lord said, that's what you're dealing with. And so it, I, I just took time. And over a period of time, in fact, I wrote it down in my little notes, you know, because I'd never seen it. He said, that's what this spirit is. It's seducing people to sin. And Jesus said, it's in Revelation 3, he dealt with it himself in the New Testament. Because people don't want to accept anything if you bring a principle out of the Old Testament. And we don't live in the Old Testament, but there are principles that are applicable to us today from the Old Testament. Can I give you a great shock? Can I shock you? There was no New Testament when Paul preached. He preached Jesus and Christ from the Old Testament. Peter preached Christ from the Old Testament. James preached Christ from the Old Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke preached Christ from the Old Testament. And that's how we got the New Testament. The new came from the old. The principles of it. We're not under the ceremonial law anymore. The ceremonies and all this washing and whatever's and all that kind of stuff. But I'm here to tell you the Ten Commandments that God wrote on them tablets of stone back yonder are still just as good today. But they're fulfilled in the law of love. We've been taught that. Our pastors here have taught us that. But thou shalt not commit murder that was in, on the Ten Commandments is still just as true as day. Thou shalt not commit adultery is still just as true today. People don't want to believe that, but that's his. You should have no other gods before me is still true today. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So the Lord said that Jezebel, just as Jezebel was deceiving and seducing my servants to sin, he said, that's the spirit. He said, I dealt with it in Revelations in the churches in chapter three, and I'm not going to turn there. I'm trying to get somewhere else if you'll leave me alone. You know what I mean? But, uh, and bring out some other things that the Lord showed me. Today, I specifically said, you know, and I said, Lord, if I'm going to do that, then I need to go here first. Because this that you're telling me to share dovetails on what happened prior to that in the Bible. And he said, yes, that's good. He said, do that. And the Lord knows how to do that. So I don't know if we'll get to all of it tonight or not, but at least we'll get started on that journey. Isn't that right? So there is the spirit, you know, that the Lord showed me. He just brought that name up, Jezebel. And again, the reason he did, when you go look, Jezebel, she was being used by the devil to seduce people to sin. Right. Seduce my servants, that's what Jesus said. And he was adamantly opposed to her and he was talking about killing everybody that associated with her. Yeah. It's in the New Testament. Yeah. And I'm not against anybody, you understand. 
But people don't think that God corrects and brings judgment today. Judgment is God's love and mercy in action. But if you don't think that He does, you go talk to the Jewish people. In the New Testament era, how many Jews died? And of course, we're sorry that it happened. But it wasn't very many years ago. And it wasn't God killing them. It was disobedience and rejecting the Messiah. Jesus said before he left earth, there will not be one stone left upon another. In fact, I, I got pictures of my feet standing on some of them stones that they said are from the temple that was there, you know, by the walls oh, outside, really. You, I took pictures of my feet there in Jerusalem because he said there will not be one stone left upon another. And in the New Testament, after Jesus had shed his blood, died, rose again, prayed for the sin of the whole world, judgment came on the Jewish people. Jesus said it would. It's Christmas. I'm, I'm, I'm I keep thinking it's Christmas. <laughs> it's Pastor Craig's fault. <laughs> so cultural trends of society are not moves of God. God does, these are hindering the plan of God today. Again, the reason the Lord has us say these things is to bring us to a place that His glory can be manifested in our midst. The number one reason for this, I believe, the outpouring, and I, I'm human, I can miss it, you judge it. The number one reason for this last day in time outpouring, number one, is to get the church ready to meet Jesus. Because most of them are not. Then number two, for the church to take that anointing and go to this lost and dying world. Because it's got to come through the church. There's a lot of people in the church world as a whole that are not ready to stand before him. Jesus said to Brother Hagin, Dad Hagin, September the 2nd, 1950s, in the book called I Believe in Visions, there's a chapter called Come Up Hither. If you'll get it and read it. Jesus told him, appeared to him and told him, he said, many of my own people will not accept the movement of my spirit and will turn back and will not be ready to meet me at my coming. Now, what that all implies, you put your own interpretation on it, but I'm not going to get close to it, so I'll, I know I'm going. I'm not going to try to go away from him. If his spirit's moving, I'm going into it. Isn't that right? Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Verse 13, we're trying to get on here. It says, which things also we speak. Which things? The things that God has shown us that we freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So there are spiritual things in the New Testament and there are spiritual things in the Old Testament. There are spiritual things in the Old Testament, that principles that will apply to us in this New Testament era that we live in. We can learn from things back there and because Paul wrote about it. You read his writings. He wrote a lot of it. Said, who wrote the book of Hebrews? Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen one time. And in the course of conversation, Jesus told Dad Hagen that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. That's good enough for me. Amen. You know what I mean? People say we don't know, but that's what Jesus told Brother Hagen. 
Verse 14, this is what we want to look at. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Who can't know them? The natural man. If you don't take time to seek God, you're not going to know what the Spirit of God is saying or doing. If you don't take time to turn aside and listen to God and not get caught up in this world, and I know we're in a, a holiday festive season, and the Lord doesn't mind you living on this side of heaven, you understand, and enjoying life. He don't mind that. But he just don't want that to become your God. He wants you to put him first in everything that you do. And when you do this, I will guarantee you the blessings of God will abound in your life, in your children, in your family, in your business, in your finances, in every area. God will raise you up above all the people of this earth. That's what he's told the children of Israel and it's applicable to us. So when you're lifting God up and seeking God, you're not wasting your time. You remember the story about mom and dad Hagen. Dad Hagen was pastoring the church and they were struggling. Actually, I think he might have already been in the traveling ministry. Yes. And they were struggling financially. You know, he's got a little booklet called How God Taught Me About Prosperity. It's a good little mini book. Anyway, they, they needed to go to a convention and they didn't really have the money to go. And it was cool, you know, where they were going and Mom Hagen didn't even have a coat to wear. And so she was sad with tears in her eyes. She said, honey, I don't even have a coat to wear. And those other ladies there, they're going to be, you know, they're going to have coats and they're going to wonder what's wrong. She said, I'm going to borrow a coat from my friend. And she did. But this is what Dad Hagen told her. Because many, this is during the war, in World War II, many ministers had actually gotten out of the ministry where God had went to war, war, uh, work in the factories and were putting money ahead of God. Now God wants you to have money, but they put money ahead of God and every one of them, Dad Hagen said, that did that died prematurely. Yeah. But he told his wife, Miss Aretha, said, honey, you just stay with me. And he said, you'll have a coat for every day of the week. Listen, when Mom Hagen died, <laughs> she had a coat for every day of the week. Full length mink furs, diamonds beyond imagination. Anything that you could imagine that money could buy, she had it. Because they put God first. Because sometimes you'll look and you'll think, well, they're doing this and that. You put God first. And I'll guarantee you it will come. Amen. Honey, my wife's watching, you know. Honey, remember, you stayed with me. And she is blessed. I said she's blessed. I said she's blessed. Isn't that right? She said, amen, amen. <laughs> you can ask her. She's never asked me for anything that she did not get. Within reason, you understand. I'm still working on the other things. 
But it didn't start that way. There was a time, can I tell on myself, that I didn't have the money to buy groceries. What did I do? Locked myself up in this room and started fasting and praying. <laughs> it might have been a forced fast. But <laughs> but I just said, God, I'm staying right here. I know you told me to do this and I'm not going to move. There's something about that that pleases God. Just a little over a year ago, I paid cash for a brand new house. That's not the Trump Towers. <laughs> That's the next one maybe. But <laughs> too many taxes over there. But it's a start. But I'm thoroughly convinced had I not been faithful when things looked bleak, had I not trusted God when it looked like that I shouldn't, that I wouldn't be able to do that today. Everything that I have, God has given it to me. I mean everything. Listen, I have an 11th grade education. Somebody said, well, that's a parent, brother, and that's a parent. I am the least likely suspect on this planet to be standing before you tonight. <laughs> But he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He does. Oh, when you put God first, God's going to bless you. I mean, for a while it may, I'm telling you, a lot of people, faith folks don't, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried, but just stay with it. And some of you have already had breakthroughs and thank God for them. But when you're climbing that mountain, my Lord, whoo, and you can't see the other side, it gets rough. But if you'll stay with it, put God first in every area of your life, I guarantee you'll be blessed. Yes, churches, churches, this is applicable to you too. When all the churches are going here and they're blowing, they're busting at the seams and all that kind of stuff, but you know that what they're implementing and the strategies they're putting into action is not something from heaven and you're not growing like they are. You're not to getting to the place they are. You don't have the finances they do. You don't have the buildings they do. You stay with God. Amen. I said stay with God. You put God first. God will show up. And God will give you things that will boggle your mind when you put him first. It works the same in our lives. In the minister or traveling minister, you put God first. Woo, pastors put God first. Everybody put God first. Because sooner or later, God's going to show up. But it takes patience to wait on him. People want to believe in a miracle, but they don't have enough faith to wait on God. And it's not going to work. You've got to balance it out. If you spend time in God's presence and really begin to know him, 
then other things are going to begin to work in your life too. I'm trying to read the scriptures and you keep dragging me back. <laughs> the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because there is foolishness unto him. How can the things of God be foolish to a person? Because they don't know the Spirit of God and they don't know God. Things that I'm saying even tonight to many will be foolish. They'll be foolish. Why? Just because if you don't know God, then you're going to think that this stuff is erroneous. It's error. They don't know what they're talking about. They're not relevant. They're not up with the times. They don't know the cultural trends that are sweeping through the world and how you need to grab a hold of these winds of the world and bring them into church. No, I'm not going to do it. Verse 15 says, But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. Verse 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So we want to have the mind of Christ. Isn't that right? So now are you ready to go on this journey? And I said, Lord, now you showed me to say this tonight. <clears throat> and the other, he just threw in on top of it, you know. I said, you've shown me to say this tonight. And I see the passage that you took me to. I said, but it just seems to me, Lord, that if I share this that you're sharing with me before I share this part, the chapter before that, I said, it, it, they won't get the full impact of it. <clears throat> and he just responded back. <clears throat> and he said, just not, not an audible voice necessarily, but it's like, you're right. Go ahead and do that. It's just like, a, so turn to Exodus 32. That's where you was wanting me to turn to anyway, wasn't it? <clears throat> yes, sir. Whatever we don't get to tonight, we can just pick up later. Because... The Lord is speaking to us, ladies and gentlemen. He's already been speaking to you. I mean, not, it's just not my voice. You're not to be just basically led by me. <clears throat> You're to be led by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and you know the Holy Ghost. But the Bible talks about preaching and teaching is what instructs us. And we're to receive instruction. And that's what we're doing. <clears throat> but in Exodus chapter 32, I want to talk to you about getting the bull out of the church. Many churches are full of bull. I said many are full of bull. And there's a lot of Christians that are full of bull. And you need to get the doggone bull out. Thank you for getting excited. Exodus 32, verse number 1. <clears throat> it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, <clears throat> the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, get up there, Aaron, and make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not or we know not what has become of him. Moses delayed, it says, to come down out of the mount. Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. 
In other words, he was up there for a long period of time. But let me point out something to you. The people had their eyes on man and did not have their eyes on God. They didn't understand it wasn't Moses' plan. It wasn't Moses delaying anything. It was God that delayed Moses for a purpose. God was dealing with him. God was speaking to him. And God was going to give him instructions, not only for the children of Israel, but for the entire world would be held right here. So this was a great meeting on the holy mountain of God. God had called this meeting and told Moses to come up. And from this meeting was going to be given instructions for the entire world that we call the Ten Commandments. That's where it happened right here. So God had called this meeting, but the people were looking at men and a man. So you can see they were concerned more about natural things, the physical world, the natural world, than they were about God. So their attention was focused in the wrong place. They didn't realize it wasn't Moses delaying anything. Yeah. It was God that was delaying Moses. Yeah, what can Moses do? Uh, uh, God, you know the people down there are getting restless. I I'll talk to you later. I got to go. That is the mentality today. Yeah. Yeah. People get restless because God don't show up in our timing. He shows up in his timing. And if you're not going to wait for him, then he's not going to wait for you. It takes faith to wait on God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently, may I include patiently, seek him. Seek him means continuous note, an idea. Not just going somewhere for five seconds. Moses is on this mountain. He's going to be up there 40 days when all this before he comes down. And he's going to go back up there for 40 more for a total of eight. But remember, this would be instructions for the entire human race. God had called this a divine appointment to give Moses instructions. Show him things on the mount. Reveal to him things on the mount. He wanted Moses not just to receive rules, laws, and regulations. He wanted Moses to know him. People today want to know about God. But he wants us to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants me to know him. And that's why he had Moses up on that mountain. He wanted Moses to become acquainted with God himself. The Bible says about Moses, he knew God face to face. Why? Because he qualified 
And I know that's an ugly word. It's almost cussing in most churches. Say you have to qualify to enter into the things of God more fully. But there were qualifications. If Moses had not met the qualifications, he would have not known God face to face. Said, well, Jesus done everything for me. No, Jesus done everything for the entire human race. But you still got to do some things yourself. There's requirements of you. There's requirement of the church. There's requirements from us. God just don't want us to know him through a bunch of rules and regulations. He wants us to know why he's like he is. And he wants us to know him face to face. In other words, he wants us to be acquainted with him. He wants us to know his presence. And that's why he had Moses. But see, the people down on the ground, they wasn't up on the mountain with him that were down in a lower place down there. They didn't understand this. Because they'd ever, all they'd ever known is natural things. They'd brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And here they are. And God called him up there. Come up here. Boy, you're talking about a, a council meeting in the sky. How would you like to have been in on that meeting? I'm here to tell you, one of these days, we're going to sit around the council meetings of God. We are, I'm telling you. Oh, I could share some things with you. But we're going to sit around the council meetings of God. And we're going to discuss things. And your father's going to talk to you about things. And you think our mind is blown now. <laughs> Woo it's going to be amazing. But notice this. <clears throat> so we see here the people were, in, <clears throat> were not patient and they didn't want to wait on God. Isn't that right? They did not. They were thinking it's the man Moses. But no, it wasn't the man Moses. It was God himself there was a laying Moses coming down. So it showed that number one, they're caught up in the natural and they're looking at man. What can man do for me? I need this man to lead me. I need this man to guide me. And, and it, it flows over in, into the day, to the modern day. Today, and I'm not, we can learn from anybody. We can get good, wise advice and instruction from a lot of people. But especially ministers of God, we need God to lead us. We need God to guide us. Christians, you need the same thing. We can go all over the place. You understand? Go all over. Looking for instruction. And there's nothing wrong with having good wisdom. But the best instruction we'll ever receive is from God himself. Because he knows exactly what we need to do in our situation and what somebody else is doing may not be applicable to what we're doing and what God wants us to do. Now, there's nothing wrong with what anybody else is doing, you understand. We want to find out God and what he's saying. Isn't that right? And that's what we do. And that's what this church does. And that's what we're going to do. So we see here that the people wanted something <coughs> natural. I said they wanted something natural. Yes. He said, make us a God. And then what he said, make us a God. And of course, it's got a little G in, in my Bible. That's, that's correct, because there's only one God. 
Makers of God, they're wanting something natural. They're so natural, they're wanting something natural. How many natural things do we see in churches today? How many elements of the world do we see in churches today? Because they're natural things and people like natural things. Some have even said, well, we're bringing this into the church because the people want it. Well, it's the same thing right here. The people wanted it, but it wasn't from God. And it wasn't godly. We need to get the bull out of the church. Thank you for getting excited about that too. Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. Remember, it wasn't Moses delay and it was God. Because God was given instructions for the entire human race and it would be written on a tablet of stone and God himself would write it on the stone. Remember? On the tablet? So he's going to give instructions. So this is a very important meeting. But again, it wasn't just receiving the instructions. God wanted Moses to know him face to face. He wanted to have a relationship with him. And Christianity is not just instructions, it's relationship. Even though instructions and the word points us to him, he wants us to know him. And that's what the Bible is written to us for. We read the Bible, but he wants us to know the one that wrote the Bible. Thank you for getting excited about that too. <clears throat> Moses delayed, and the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Because he was the next one that was left there in command. Because Joshua, you know, had went up with Moses. But he was at a certain level. He didn't go all the way up. He was waiting for Moses. Oh, there's a good type and shadow in there too. <clears throat> but it says here, to, they said to Aaron, Up and make us gods which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know where he's at and what's become of him. Well, why in the world would they revert back to natural things and want to go back to the natural world when a supernatural God had brought them up out of Egypt? Our pastor, our dear pastor here has told us even in this service about the great miracles that God performed through the ministry of Moses uh, bringing them up out of the land of Egypt. Isn't that right? Yes. All the miracles that happened in his ministry. Isn't that right? Yes. And so they had saw God. They knew God on a certain level. But now they're turning away from God because they didn't, hadn't spent time with him, hadn't sought him like they should, and now they're reverting back to natural knowledge and understanding in natural ways. And that's what the problem is in the church today. But it says here, And Aaron said unto them, in verse 2, Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Remember, God said the silver and gold is mine, and he told them in Egypt, you know, you go get from the Egyptians, and you get the gold and the silver and all that. So they brought it up, so they got it with them here. Verse 3, it says, And all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. <clears throat> and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he, after he had made it a molten calf, and by the way, if you look this up, it was a bull calf that they worshipped back in Egypt. A natural, man-made, demonic god, little g, that they worshipped back there. That's why I said, get the bull out. And they said, 
they said, listen, this is what they said. They're so lost. They're so in the natural. They're so seduced. They're so deceived. Look at what they said. These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. In other words, this is who brought you up. This doggone bull. The bull can't speak, he can't talk, he can't do nothing. You can't even eat a beefsteak off of him. Wow. He ain't worth nothing but the pile of gold he's made out of. Right. I'll take a few bulls made out of gold, but anyway. <laughs> but do you see that? They're claiming these people that had saw the miracles of God. God had walked with them, had been with them. Isn't that right? They had saw his miracle power and what he did. It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And here they are claiming that this doggone molten calf, a bull that was made and fashioned by man, this was actually the God that brought them out. Is that deception? Yes. That's exactly what's happened in the body of Christ. People have gotten so worldly-minded it's so caught up in cultural trends of society, trying to be in fashion, in vogue, and be like the world, and bring the world into the church, the machines and the lights and all this kind of stuff. All that is is an idol. It's something for people to behold and look at. I'm telling you, it's an idol. I said it's an idol. It is an idol. It is. What is it there for? For people to look at and behold. Isn't that right? And it focuses people's attention other places. But that's exactly here what happened. They went to, and Aaron got the bull of the world from the Egyptians and said, this is God. And that's exactly what's going on today. People are having idol worship in the church and don't even realize it. It's a visual image that they're looking at. But it's not of God. Because if you get on down through here, God's going to kill every single one of them. He, wouldn't, he didn't think it was too funny. But see, verse 4, the latter part, he said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Now, Lord, I don't want to say that, but I'm going to say it. Lord, I'll say it. I told him Dad didn't want to say it. But if you don't get these things out of your church, you're not going to have the move of God. I said, if you don't get these things out of your church, get the bull out, get all this worldly imaging out, get it out of there, God's not going to come to your church. I said, he's not going to come. I know, it's Christmas, but God's not going to come. Because he's not going to be around anything of the world or anything to do with the world. Because it's not just the bull that you brought in of the world. It's all the actions and sin that go with it. If you hang around the bull of the world, you're going to act like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, live like the world, and be like the world. 
Now, I'm not against having nice buildings and nice things and all that. Jesus told Brother Hagin, he said, I expect his people to have the nicest building in town to meet in. I'm not against that. I'm for it 100%. <clears throat> and you really have to be spiritual to understand some of these things I'm saying. That's why I was careful to read the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because <clears throat> this is foolishness to the natural mind. People think it's foolish. No, it's not foolish to God. When you start putting these images for people to look at and bring up and get their attention and bring them into the church, and the next thing is going to be something else, and it's going to be something else because the flesh is never satisfied. Never is. So here they are, and they've got this uh, molten calf, and it's here this bull. <clears throat> In verse number five, look what happened. When Aaron saw it, he built what? an altar before it. Aaron did. You understand? Aaron did. He built an altar, altar before it. And Aaron, if you'll permit me, represents the five-fold ministry today. There are people that are building altars before these things. In other words, they're worshiping these things more than they're worshiping God. And that's the truth about it. it he built altars to it. We worship these things. We've got to have these things. We pay homage to these things. We're going to get these things. No, we don't want any graven image to have it before God. Because it becomes an idol. I said it becomes an idol. It does. And then, he's, after he built an altar, Aaron made a proclamation and said... Tomorrow is a feast to the what? A feast to who? A feast to who? It's in the Bible. A feast to who? You can't fail this test as an open book. A feast to who? Is Aaron deceived? Aaron walked with Moses. Aaron seen the power of God. Aaron knew God to an extent. Aaron was the high priest. Right? He was called for that. Aaron, the one supposed to know God, is a proof that he did not even know God anymore. Our respect God are the ways of God. Even though he had known God at one time, he got away from him. Why? Why? Because he started listening to people. When you listen to people and pay attention to the world, then they're going to begin to influence you and you'll get to a place that you won't even know God anymore. You won't even know what's right or wrong. Aaron was wrong, but he didn't know it. He said, this is a feast unto the Lord. You ain't going to have no feast. To the Lord with this doggone bull? He's out of his mind. Yes, sir. Pastor Craig would have been there. He'd have pulled his sword out and cut his head off. <laughs> you know how he is. <laughs> and we need that. We need that strong anointing, you know. We do. But see how all these people, he's just, these people, he has just listened to the people so long 
listened to the world so long, he could not discern the difference between what's God and what's of the devil. It was foolishness to him. Isn't that right? Foolishness to him. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to do what? To eat and to drink. Then what did they do? Rose up to play. That's exactly what happens in a lot of fellowships today. It's a lot of eating and drinking and playing. Eating, drinking, and playing. That's it. Because they don't know what's God and what's not God. Isn't that right? And there's nothing wrong with having fellowships or dinners. I'm not saying that. But this is talking about on a consistent basis. All they could produce in their worship service here to this demon was to come out with the attitude that we're going to be footloose and fancy free. We're going to play. Whatever feels good is what we're going to do. We're going to have fun. We're not going to submit ourselves to God. We're not going to dedicate ourselves to God. We're not going to consecrate ourselves to God. Can you see that in this? That's all they knew when they come out of that atmosphere was the atmosphere of playing. That's all it was. And that's what happens when you bring the bull of the world into the church. The people lead with that mentality. And they go out and play in the world. And they believe it's all right. Why? Because we've then made an altar to these things. I'm talking about spiritually speaking now. You have to interpret this spiritually. Didn't mean somebody physically made the altar. But spiritually speaking, when people start beholding the things of the world and participating with the things of the world, then they're going to begin to act like the world, talk like the world, and live like the world. But we're not. <clears throat> and this is all hindering now the move of God. And it's stopping the move of God. As long as the bull is in the church... There's going to be no glory in that church. As long as the bull is in the sanctuary, there's not going to be any glory in the sanctuary. Because God is not going to share his glory with no devil, no demon, or nothing to do with the world. He's not going to do it. Verse 7. We'll just move along here a few verses and then just unhook. Brother Hagin used to say his sermons were like... Sermons were like uh, Boxcars, trains, you know. He never got through. He just unhooked and come back and hooked that back up. I found out how to do that. The Lord taught me how to do that. But look at this verse 7 so you can just get the full impact of what the God thought about it. Remember, they, they sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. In other words, they was in their form of worship, man's worship, their idol worship, worshiping the bull. And all it produced was an attitude of playing. Whatever felt good, that's what I've done. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses. Moses don't know what's going on down there. But the Lord does. He said, go. He said, get thee down for thy people. <laughs> God don't even claim them no more. I want you to see that. God don't claim them. Thy people. Your people. Which thou 
You, you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted himself. You sorry thing, you look at what you've done. God's not gonna take no credit for this. My Lord God, no. He said, you get down. You, you, it's your people. You brought them up. He, look at verse eight. He said, God said they have turned aside how quick? Quickly. When you don't seek God, you'll quickly get out of the will of God. He said, they have turned aside quickly. Now to them, it didn't seem quickly because Moses had been on the mountain for this time for about 40 days. But they thought it was a long time. But God said they've turned aside quickly. And that's exactly what people do when they don't seek God and don't wait on God, don't patiently seek Him. Quickly they turn out of the way which I have commanded them, which I commanded them. Lord, He gave them an order, instructions on what to do. It says, and they have made a molten calf. That's what He told Moses. And have worshipped it. And have sacrificed thereunto. They worshipped it. They bowed down and worshipped a doggone bull. This is God's people that he brought up out of the land of Egypt. They're worshipping things of the world, things of the devil, right? And have sacrificed thereunto and said, this is what they say, these be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Notice they said that earlier up here in this other verse. Verse 4 says, O Israel, says, verse number 4 says, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. God knows everything people say and everything people do and everything people think. He knows. He knew it right here. He verbatim, he repeated it. He said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, which means get out of my way. My God, look out. That my wrath, I am flat mad. I don't have righteous indignation. I am flat, mad, I am angry, and I've got my wrath, and I want to wax hot against them that I may consume them. Kill them. And I will make of thee a great nation. Lord, we'll just wipe them all out. So you see God's attitudes towards false gods and things of the world. God did not have a pleasant attitude. He wanted to wipe them every single one out. Are they going to live? Are, are they going to die? Tomorrow, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. Because this is not the end. We've got to get on over to 33. But I, I shared with it because that's what the Lord said. Because it's about knowing Him. Oh, some principles there. But if you don't understand these principles, it'll keep you. If you don't understand the principles of 32, it'll keep you out of 33, the chapter. And that's what I was sharing with the Lord because He knows best. Father knows best. I said, Lord, it seemed like to me if I don't share 32, 
then 33 wouldn't have as much impact because people got to understand that you do not approve of these things of the world. And then we need to get them out of our lives, put them aside. Isn't that right? <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Christmas. <laughs> and I understand that. But it's also a sobering time in the Spirit. Yes, it is. If you heard from God, if anybody is hearing from God, and He don't mind us, you know, having Christmas or whatever, you know, we do and things like that. But He don't want us to put anything ahead of Him. This is a sobering time for the entire church world. For in 2020, we're going to move in. We're going to move into a level of the spirit that we've never been before. I believe the things that Dad Hagen even said to me, I believe it's applicable to everybody. But the, Dad Hagen said this to me, he prophesied to me right before he went to heaven, just a few weeks before he moved to heaven. In fact, Dr. Dufresne, I think most call him Dad Dufresne. He was sitting to my left, Dr. Dufresne was. And Dad Hagen turned and looked, spoke in tongues, interpreted the tongue. And he said this to me. He said, God has led you in the smaller things and ways of the Spirit. Now he's going to lead you into the larger places in the Spirit. And then he's going to lead you into a place in the Spirit that you've never been before. And he said, when you arrive there, you're going to say, my, 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 I didn't even know this world existed. There's a world that exists that belonged to you and I. Woo-wee, almost said it. Pastor Craig, we're going to know him face to face. I'm telling you, we're going to know him face to face. We are. You're going to know him. As you press in, you're going to know him face to face. I said, you're going to know him face to face. Oh, in this end time, you're going to know him. I sense it. Whew. You're going to know him face to face. It's not going to be at a distance, but it's going to be close up. I'm talking about close. Can I say that? <clears throat> maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. But anyway, just put it like this. You're going to know him face to face. Jesus desires to reveal himself to us more than we desire him to reveal himself to us. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you keep my commandments, I'll manifest myself, which means reveal myself, make known myself, and some translations even say, appear to you. But you'll have to qualify. Now, we don't seek for the Lord to appear to us. But He wants to talk to us. He wants a relationship with us. And I believe this. As we go on, and if it's the Lord's will, that some of us are going to know Him face to face. I said, we're going to know him face to face. 
that's going to be required for us to enter into everything. And there's, I believe there's other things that will happen, but I know God is with us. I know He's on our side. And I know that we're moving into the finest hours we've ever been. But as we press into God and seek Him, we're going to know Him. And we're moving into this last day, end time move of God, and nothing is going to stop us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. And Lord, I know that there's things that you have for us and that you desire for us. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to move into everything that you have for us. And that nothing is going to stop us and nothing's going to keep, this, keep us out. Pray this prayer with me and let your heart agree with it. Dear Lord, I present myself unto you. May your will be done in my life. May I never forget that I've surrendered all I am to you. I commit myself to be one whom you can use. Consecrated and separated into your purposes. I'll pay the price by the nine the flesh. If you call me in the nighttime, I'll get on my knees and pray. If I'm never seen of men, and if I always work behind the scenes, Still, I will be faithful. I'll lay aside all personal ambition. I'll be one who walks in the Spirit and in your perfect will. In Jesus' name, your will shall be wrought in my heart, in my life, and in my ministry. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, you've heard our prayer tonight as we've consecrated and dedicated ourselves unto you. And Lord, we give ourselves unto you and to your plan and your purposes. And we give you the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. What I'm going to do is just unhook right here. We'll be praying for people in other services, and I'm just going to turn it to... Brother Craig, let him preach a while. Hallelujah. It's Christmas. And we got a present tonight, didn't we, sir? We got a present tonight. We got some help. Um, the funny thing is that I can't share it now because it's reserved for January, but... There's some things that uh, God's been dealing with me about. Remember I said on Sunday morning, there's some slight changes, not major ones, but some slight changes that we need to make in the church about different things. And uh, the Holy Ghost is so wonderful because he's the master orchestrator. And uh, he actually was preaching a little bit tonight at different times. He, he touched on some of the things that were actually going to be changing. But I don't... Th 
if you, you, you may not pick it up because you don't know what's coming. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost is planting some seeds. He's having other people minister along these lines so that when I talk about it next year, I can refer back and I can say, do you remember that brother Randy? He said this and he said that and he said that. See, the Lord was preparing you because this is a new direction that we're going to be going and this is a new thing we're going to be doing. Isn't that wonderful? Some of you saying, well, what are you talking about? Well, you'll have to wait till January, praise God. <laughs> just some small things, not, not major things, but I just love the Holy Ghost because he's so amazing. Yesterday's service, my goodness, he just, he just overwhelmed us. And, and today's service, different flow, but precious. And he's already hinting certain things to our congregation through the minister. Amen. And we have to make sure that we get these things out. Can I, uh, j j I'm a little bit of a history nerd. My wife calls me a nerd. I call her a nerd too. But, but that bull that you're talking about, sir, that was uh, the primary animal deity in Egypt. No other bull was regarded as sacredly. People think that the cobra was or this or that or whatever. But the bull, its name was Apis, A-P-I-S, was, was the primary animal, the most sacred animal in all of Egypt was that bull. And it started out as a fertility god. You know what fertility means? Because you want to have babies. And you'll read later on, if you read tonight, if you're interested, when Moses come down, they're all naked having sex with each other, having orgies. You read it. It's in the Bible. They got up to play and get drunk and do all this nonsense, took their clothes off, start having sexual immorality, because that's what sin does. Turning to the natural opens the door to sexual immorality. It always does. It's always an outflow of it. And they would worship this God for fertility. This God was connected to sexual immorality, this Apis God. Because they would do this for fertility stuff. But then, sir, it became even more overt. Because as time passed, it wasn't just the fertility god. But they considered this, this bull god was then considered to be first the herald of the, one of the primary gods that they would worship. Ra was their main one, the sun god. But they would worship this god. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's spelled P-T-A-H. I think the P is silent, I don't know. But PTH was, was the, literally, it was called the creator God. And this is very fascinating because it was called the creator God. And the Egyptians believed that this Ta God, PTAH, thought the world into existence and then spoke words. And by his words, he magically formed the earth. They believed that. It's amazing the parallels between the real God who spoke the worlds into existence. And they called this PTAH God as one of their highest gods that they worshipped. They called it the creator God that they worshipped. And they believed that this Apis bull first was its herald, like the one that would announce this main God. But then later on they believed that this bull was actually the incarnation, the physical manifestation of this PTAH God, this Ta God. That when Ta appeared, he appeared as a bull. So they would refer to any kind of anything that was created, they would refer to it as a strong bull. If there was a great king, they'd refer to them as a strong bull. Anything that had a creative element to it, it would be referred to as a strong bull. Because this bull god wasn't just about sexual stuff and fertility. It literally was the connection to the creator god. So this is why you understand, when they worshipped that bull, 
It wasn't just an animal they were worshiping. They, that's God, why God was so angry with them. They were replacing God himself. They were saying, it wasn't really you that created the worlds. It is this incarnation, this manifestation of this demon God that we were 430 years, our masters worshiped this God. We saw our masters worship it in Egypt. And they believed that this thing created the worlds. What, what they're doing is they're replacing what an insult to the, to the God of heaven, who they knew was the creator of heaven and earth, and yet they replaced him with this bull God, which was considered the creator, the incarnation of the creator God. It was, it was an ultimate, in, I'm trying to explain to you, it wasn't just an animal, it was the ultimate insult against God the creator. Do you understand how serious, what an offense that is to God? It is an insult against the creator God. And that is, I believe, why God took it so personally. He was so angry with them because it's like, you've already seen all my power. You know that I'm God. And for you to be this seduced and this deceived and Aaron to be this deceived, that he would now make a feast to this? And everybody's committing sexual immorality. No wonder Moses smashed the, t the things. No wonder God said, move away. I'm going to kill them all. And you'll read it. He'll preach it tomorrow night. I don't know what he's going to preach, but you'll see thousands of them died that day. Judgment fell. I think it's a sobering thought. See, not everybody likes Brother Randy's uh, messages. We do. I'm just telling you, people out there, not everybody likes him. And there's a lot of persecution against him because nobody wants this kind of preaching. Nobody wants to be told that there's sin in the church and that you better watch out. You know what I mean? You better watch out. You better not cry. You know, <laughs> trying to bring some Christmas into it. But nobody, nobody, wants to, nobody wants to hear that kind of preaching. Oh, they just want to be stroked. Everything's okay. Do whatever you want. God understands. And by the way, everything's under grace anyway. You can't sin anyway. So everything's permissible. That's, that's, what, that's, that's, what, that's what Aaron wants to hear. That's what the carnal people want to hear. But we, we at our church, we have to make a stand. We're on Moses' side. We're on God's side. We're on Joshua's side. And uh, we, need, we need the truth. Amen? So we need to really look at our own lives and say, Father, where's the bull in my life? Is there areas that I am replacing you with? Is there areas that my time, you say, but I don't bow down to a statue. Get out of your, that is such an, none of us bow down to statues. We're not Buddhists, okay? When we moved into a house, they had four Buddhas there, which I have now shot through the head with my gun and burned the ashes. But we're not worshiping a Buddha. We're not, we're not bowing down to physical idols, but we can have, Things in our life that are more important to us than prayer. Do you understand? Your work can be more important to you than the house of God. Money and making it can be more important to you than your family. Oh, that's a big one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We don't touch their sacred cows, honey, but that's really what it is. Oh, my family, my family, my family. But is your family more important than God? Is, is your children's extracurricular more important than your seeking God and your prayer time and your church? See, that's the kind of idols we're talking about, as well as stuff what he's talking about in the church with the smoke machines and all the nonsense going on. Praise God. I don't, I don't, it's Christmas time. We need one to be happy. 
but I'm just saying, why do you think, why do you think the Holy Ghost brought him here, said what he said last night, now he's saying what he's saying tonight and will continue tomorrow night because we're coming into a new place and God is trying to clean us. Remember I preached Sunday morning, old wineskins can't hold new wine. God's trying to clean us. If there's something that's taking your time above God, and listen, I think most of us are guilty of this. There's that one-eyed monster, Dad Hagen called it, I was reading a book of his recently, called it the one-eyed monster. Do you know what the one-eyed monster is? That thing that has 600 channels. It's got, that's a one-eyed monster. And then you can also have a one-eyed monster right here with your snapping chats and your Instagrams and I don't know all the other things and I have no idea what they are, your turtle talks. I don't know what, what everything is, but I'm just telling you that it's, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is not, this is, I'm telling you, my son, I'm telling you. So Heavenly Father, we want, as we come into Hebron, as we come into this new place, Father, we want to be clean. We want to, we want to in some ways, wipe the board clean, wipe the slate clean, start with a fresh start. We want to take, we really want to uh, take a, a serious, long, hard look at our own lives. Really, this is what Brother Greer, Holy Spirit, this is what you're using him to do. He's holding the word up to us as a mirror, and we are looking into the perfect law of liberty that we may see areas that we need to make adjustments on not only corporately as a church, but individually as well. Areas that are more important to us than God. I have them in my life. Lord, I'll be bold enough to say it. There's certain areas, Father, I need to crucify. There's certain things that I need to get rid of. There's certain things that take too much of my time that are more important to me than certain things of the Spirit. Father, every one of us are guilty of the same thing. We're not judging each other. We're not feeling condemned or guilty, but we do need to take a long, hard look and say, Father, if we're going to see this outpouring, if we're going to see what Reverend Randy's been prophesying, what Dad Hagen prophesied, if we're going to see it, if we're going to see you, Lord Jesus, if we're going to know you face to face, if we're going to have this kind of relationship, we got to get the bull out. We got to get the carnality out. We've got to make changes. It's not about guilt and condemnation. It's a freedom. It's a joy. It's life. It's not condemnation for me to live right. It's not condemnation for me to live consecrated and pure. So Lord, we're, we're, these, are, these are services that are very valuable to our spiritual growth. Lord, they may not always be shouting services, but they're very valuable to our growth. They're valuable to our future. We wholeheartedly receive the instruction. We receive the correction tonight. And Father, we start to take a long, hard look at what areas of our life do we need to, do we need to adjust so that nothing comes before you, Father. Nothing robs our time from you, Father. I know that we're, this goes cross-threads with what most churches teach. Father, I know this goes cross-threads with, obviously, the world and society because they're darkened. But, Father, this is not foolishness to us. We're men and women of the Spirit. We can recognize our spirit man jumps on the inside when we hear this kind of preaching. It bears witness with our spirit. This is truth, and we must listen. So we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. We won't be like those foolish Israelis, Father. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna learn from their example and from their failure, and we're not going to live the same way. We're going to live right. We're going to follow our Moses. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, forever and greater. Thank you for the boldness. Thank you for the boldness. 
Thank you for the boldness. Let him never, ever back away from that. Father, we need these voices in the body of Christ. We don't just need him in promise of life. We need him on the television. We need him on the radios. We need him shouting from the rooftops. We need the audiences at large. We need this message to go out, and we need people like him to say it bold and strong and unapologetically. Thank you that you fill him with another measure of boldness for what's to come, Father. We need his voice in the body, and we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus.